Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. I hope you brought your big boy, big girl pants tonight. Here's what the word says. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Our last verse and our focus verse for as we close out this series, verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Lord, bless us tonight. Speak to us. Mature us tonight. God, this is not an easy word, but it is a word that you want to speak, to challenge our spirits. God, I pray against offense that our hearts would be open to hear everything that you have to say to us. And at the end of the day, may your people be edified. May Jesus, your son, be glorified. And may Satan be terrified. In Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Amen. You can have your seat on your way down. Just look at your neighbor. Be a little rude. I know you were rude last week, but be rude one more time. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, here's the word of the Lord. Grow up. All right, find your other neighbor. Look at your other neighbor on your other side. Say, other neighbor, I knew you were my second choice, but the word of the Lord is the same for you. Grow up. For all my, all my people raised in the 90s, all my folks who were part of the 80s being raised up, you remember a character. Uh, how many of you remember Saturday morning cartoons? Woke up on Saturday morning. Early, it was amazing. You couldn't wake up early for school Monday through Friday, but somehow the anointing would just hit on Saturday morning, and you'd get up at five in the morning, wake everyone in the house, getting bowls of cereal. You know, unless you grew up in a black household, you don't you don't just grab food. You got to ask permission first, right? <laughs> you know better. So you waited till the peep of somebody waking up, and you get some food. And what would you do? You sit right in front of the TV, too close, and you just watch TV for. And I mean, Jesus could return, and you would have missed the rapture for the sake of watching your morning cartoons. How many of you were Power Ranger fans? Okay, Power Rangers. <laughs> they still have Power Rangers. Yeah. Jesus. It's not the same. I mean, it was horrible when we grew up. Don't. I, she's talking like it's good now. She's like, it's whack now. It was horrible when we were growing It was whack. <laughs> Come on, Darkwing Duck. Yeah. Uh, Rescue Rangers. Yeah. Come on. Okay, this is for black people only. Uh, the PJs. Yeah. <laughs> the Asian people. PJs. Pajamas? No. PJs was short for projects. They created this very short series that was all about the ghetto. I got a lot to say about it, but it was one of my favorite shows to watch because growing up, I'm a little darker now, but growing up, I was what they would call high yellow, right? I was a yellow baby. And so I was, (laughs) I got another yellow baby and I was tall. So I always got called and they were endearing terms. And for all my non-black members, just to explain something to you, uh, growing up in black culture, we make fun of each other as a love language. Yeah, you hear the amens. If you don't get made fun of, you're not close enough. Or no one likes you, right? Like, there's a difference. We make fun of you or we talk about you. Now, if you get talked about, that means we just don't like you. But if you get made fun of, that means you get loved. So I got made fun of for being tall and for being quote-unquote high yellow. So they used to call me things like Big Bird, right? But they used to call me one of my favorite cartoons. You guys remember Baby Huey? Put that picture up, Nate. Baby Huey was this huge, oversized duck who used to go around in pampers. Now, look, y'all remember this, right? Now, Baby, Baby Huey was a grown, like, duck or whatever, but here he is in pampers, and here he is in a bottle, and he reminds me of them kids that I see that are too big to be in a stroller. Like, I used to walk with my grandmother and be like, Baby, they're 15. Let them walk. Go for it. And, but, and, before, before, like, I used to love this show because it was so silly because you would look at the show and think, you're too big to be getting in the situations that you're getting in now. You shouldn't be in that little car. You shouldn't. And there was all kinds of situations. And so it made sense to me that as I'm preaching about growth today, I would look at the frustrations that Paul has with the church in Corinth and the Hebraic church where he tells them, I wish that you would just grow up. 
because by this time, I want to be giving you meat, but all I can give you is milk. You can take the picture down now. I'm going to preach. Paul is almost, we're going to see in a moment, frustrated with the lack of maturity with a church that's only been around for somewhere between three to five years. But I wonder how many of us are baby Hueys in the body of Christ. Oh yeah, we have developed, we've grown up in church, we've just not grown up in God. All right, one more time on this side to see if you tweeted. I said, you can grow up in church and still never grow up in God. You can grow up in ministry and still never grow up in God. I can introduce you to famous gospel artists that I know that wouldn't know God if he slapped them on the back of their neck. I'm telling you, you can grow up in the things of God and still not grow up in God. Your church membership is not valid when we talk about maturity in Christ. Because some of us use our church membership like I use my gym membership. I have a gym membership. I promise, I got, as a matter of fact, at one point I had two because I had forgot about one. And this one season, I had a gym membership. You guys know 24-hour fitness? Yeah, these are for the people. We're not that serious or we're poor. So it's like, um, I'm looking at my buddy Kevin right now. He's just smiling. He's like, I would never. That's beneath. He's like a workout guru right there. He was like, hey, bro, you want me to train you? (laughs) Selah. (laughs) Anyway, I remember for two years, Kevin, I had this gym membership. Just would never work out. Like, I would make progress. Sometimes I would drive past the gym. That's the start. No, you got to celebrate. Small beginnings. The, the, in, two, in a two-year period, no joke, paying for a gym membership every month, I went to the gym three times. And let me tell you what they were for. I didn't have enough time to go home and take a shower. So I went to the shower, because I'm not about to be big and smelly. So I went to the gym to take a shower. And I realized that a lot of Christians use their walk with Christ similarly. It's like, no, I'm a member of the body of Christ. I'm a member of a church. I'm a member in the fold of Christ, but I'm only show up when I need to clean off. Yeah, yeah, so I'll show up, you know, I'll even show up once a week to clean off. Every Sunday. And so we'll take the first 30 minutes and I won't really worship or engage because I feel horrible about all the sin that I lived this week. So the poor worship leader has got to push beyond his capacity. And, and we, oh, dang, I didn't mean to get this hard this fast. Um, I can tell when I'm going too hard because I start hitting Kelly more. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but a lot of us, and, and here's, here's the dilemma, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, so I won't talk about it again. The problem with that is that if you relegate your walk with Christ to just cleaning up your messes, God is not your Cinderella. We so treat God like Cinderella, hiding him in the back closet, letting him out once a month. Uh, we'll let, have a Holy Spirit service. Why doesn't he have all of them? Maybe because we're not choosing already willing to actually make this maturity thing more than just doing the do's, more than just checking off the list, more than just showing up. What does it look like? I, so back to the gym. I'm on the bike. And I'm going hard on the bike, Pastor Andrew. And I'm just like, man, maybe this exercise thing, it ain't so bad. I'm going about 15 minutes. And I look at the skinny little white girl in leggings, because at a gym, there's always a skinny little white girl in leggings. And she's uh, intense. And she's only been on the bike for like five minutes, sweating. Now, I'm a gentleman. I never sweat. I missed. But I'm looking at, and y'all, after... It's 20 minutes now, and I'm still not sweating, right? And I'm looking at her. Now, mind you, I am bigger then than I am now. It's possible. And I'm on the... (laughs) I heard somebody testify. I'm on the bike, and y'all, I am sweating profusely. I look over, and she's... I mean, I'm not sweating. She's sweating. In 20 minutes, I'm like, yo, she's heck out of shape. I'm in A shape, but at least I'm in shape because I'm not even sweating. Look at her. She only been on here five minutes and she can't even handle it. After about 15 minutes, she turns off the bike and I think there was an on switch. (laughs) And I realized that I could judge her at the intensities that she's living. It didn't make sense to me because my bike wasn't even on. And here I am worshiping, I'm sorry, exercising. And the bike's not on. Here I am serving, I'm sorry, exercising and the bike's still not on. And it doesn't make sense to me why these people 
are living their lives so intense, I'm sorry, exercising so intense. Isn't it interesting that he says when you use your faith, it's called exercising your faith? The reason we have so many fat Christians is because we're taking it all in, but nobody's exercising. Yeah, that's how you get, in case you didn't know, that's how you get fat. You start taking in more than you are willing to give out. And maybe we have a bunch of spiritually obese Christians because we have a bunch of Christians who just want a blessing, don't want to be a blessing. They want everyone to serve them. They don't want anyone to serve them. I mean, they don't want to serve anyone. And so you, you look like a Christian. You look like someone who wants to be discipled. But as soon as accountability comes, that's when the crying comes. Can you hand me my backpack or my, my bottle real quick? Because I want to talk to baby Christians today. See, we got baby Christians in the church. Deacons, but baby Christians. Preaching, but baby Christians. Easily offended. Pastor didn't say hi to you. I'm fine in a different church. Thank you. Thank you. Less people I have to speak to. And we have baby Christians in the church. Let me change. And I'm going to be a little tough today because it's time to grow up. And maybe... Maybe the reason we have so many baby Christians is because we have baby Huey pulpits. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to challenge you to grow up when I'm unwilling to grow up. And so here's what, Pat, you, you never heard a, sin, a, a sermon on gluttony because we all struggle with it. It's real hard for me to preach to you something, to encourage you to do something that I'm not willing to do. And so I won't encourage you to get to grow up and become more mature in your emotions because I'm unwilling to become mature in my emotions. I won't challenge you to go deeper in the word because the only time as a pastor I read the word is when I have to preach. So how can I challenge you to go deeper? See, we have too many baby Christians in the church and so our churches are looking more like nurseries instead of the hospitals that they were intended to be. You do know the church was not meant to be perfect. As soon as you find the perfect church, don't go. You'll mess it up. There's no such thing as a perfect church. Let me dive a little deeper into this. Turn with me to First Corinthians or Hebrews. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. Are y'all mad at me? It's all good. We took the offering. You say, Pastor Dell, why are you ending this series with this message? As you turn to Hebrews chapter 5. In verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 4 that we read earlier, after listing off the apostle and the prophet, the teacher, the pastor, and the evangelist, he, he says, remember what we've been talking about the last few weeks, that these gifts are not the ministry. They're actually the gifts to teach you how to do the ministry. So from the apostolic, we're gaining or imparting an anointing for the big, for the establishing of the kingdom. For the prophetic, we're hearing the voice of the Lord and an impartation on God's perspective. For the evangelist, we get an impartation and a hunger for souls, right? Um, I'm missing one. And for the pastors and teachers, we get an impartation to learn how to care for people, how to lead them and disciple them. And, but I was thinking about it because I was going to end it after preaching on the last message I preached. And I thought, none of these sermons matter to people who don't want to grow. Like, why do I need to know how to pastor people when I'm not willing to even share my faith with people? And so I felt like I needed to end this message on talking about your need to desire to grow in God, to not get stuck up in this end times spirit of apathy that's going across the body of Christ where it don't take all that. Maybe not for you. I just want to know him in a deeper way. So let's look at Hebrews chapter five. And I'm with all this jacket, I try to hide my, my you know, sides and stuff, but it's, it's hotter than a sinner in a Baptist revival up here. <laughs> Hebrews chapter five, verse 11. It's like, Lord, I'm sweating in places I didn't know I had. All right, verse 12. Don't, don't try to figure it out. I heard somebody say, huh? Hebrews chapter five, verse 12 through 14. For though by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Last verse. But solid food, what food? Solid. Talk to me, which food? Solid. 
But solid food belongs to the complainers. Belongs to those who are unwilling to sacrifice. Belongs to those who are unwilling to even pray. That's not what it says. Solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, who by reason of use have their senses, here's that word again, exercise to discern both good and evil. This, is, this scripture right here is one of the reasons why I believe that Paul the Apostle wrote the book of Hebrews. Now, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but I think Paul wrote it uh, based on this scripture. One of the reasons why is based on this scripture here, because there's a similar scripture that we're going to turn to in just a moment in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul uses similar language to describe the immaturity of the Corinthian church. But here's the point of Hebrews 5, verses 12 through 14. Point number one, verse 12, you ought to be teachers by now. Let's stop there. Did you know that you should go from the position of the learner to the learned? Ooh, ooh. See, you've been thinking your whole life is going to be bent on just learning, just learning and never actually teaching. Baby, you don't have to wait for an ordination. You've been called to teach now. Now, I'm not talking about literal teaching, though that's a part of it. Listen, if you're a parent, you're a pastor. Your children, your youth pastor, your children's pastor, you're all of it. But if you don't see yourself as someone who's called to teach, someone who's called to give, someone who's called to raise up others, who's called to pray for the sick, Paul gets frustrated with the church here in Hebrews 5. And the first thing he tells him in verse 12, he says, man, I want to give you milk, but I can't give you milk because I still got to teach you. You should be teachers by now. Can I stop for a moment? Paul is not writing to a pastors and leadership conference. He's writing to the church, to you, to the person who has to wake up on Monday morning and go to his cubicle. He's saying, you ought to be teachers by now. Not just the pastors and leaders and the people who've been called to full-time vocational ministry. You've been called to take up a, a, another level of authority. But Paul, or, or the writer of Hebrews here, says, I'm frustrated because all I can give you is milk. Point number two, what's the difference between milk and solid food? Milk has already been regurgitated. It's already been processed. And so I can tell how mature you are by your ability for the Holy Spirit to discern the word of God through your life. If you're still, after being saved for 10, 20 years, you still don't hear God's voice. You still can't interpret scripture. I'm not bagging on you because we all have a season of that. I'm just saying, grow up. Yeah, I knew I wasn't gonna get too many amens today. See, the difference between solid food and milk is milk, or solid food, you've gotta put some work into it. See, milk, it's, it's already been processed for you. Uh, somebody's already done the work for you. And so in the beginning stages, as you walk with God, of course, everything, you should be hungry for the word of God. It's like people come to our church and they tell me, man, I, I got saved or I found your church. And I just, they're almost embarrassed when they say it. It's like, I just looked, I watched every sermon. I listened to every message that you had. I'm like, oh, absolutely. That makes absolute sense that you're hungry. You're hungry. But if that's where you stay and you never open up the word for yourself, to say, God, what are you speaking directly to me? Oh, God could never. I mean, the church I grew up in, we're not in that church anymore. Amen. We're in the Hebrews church where it says you no longer have elders and prophets that God has to speak through. He wants to speak directly to you. But if you don't give up milk, you'll never get solid food. Now, when I talk about solid food, it's not just revelation in the word, but I'm talking about maturity, maturation, how you're able to handle situations. When you first get saved, you're supposed to be offended by everything. You're new. It's all about you. It's supposed to be that way. Have you seen a baby? Everything bothers them, and they're unable to communicate any of it. Like a lot of Christians I know. Everything bothers them. Won't talk about it unless they're gossiping. <laughs> Sorry, we don't gossip. We're Christians. We share. <laughs> uh, it's, and, and, I'm, and here, let me just get straight to this point. Let me give you five things. I've, some of you know that I want to foster to adopt. And so I've been really into uh, trying to, you know, I'm going to be the first perfect parent. All right, let's go into the five. I didn't hear one amen. So, <laughs> I heard parents go, that's cute. Um, 
But in my research, I was reading this one article, and for whatever reason, it was teaching us five differences between child or children and adults. So I want to give you these five differences if you're writing these down. Number one, obviously, is age. Number two is dependence. Number three is decision-making. Number four, living arrangements. And number five, rights and responsibilities. Now I'm gonna go through these one more time in case you missed any of them. But number one, the difference between children and adults, age. And here's the first thing I wanna take, talk to you about. To go from a spiritual child to somebody who's spiritually mature, you just need to write this down. It's going to take time. You do not get mature overnight. Now, I, I need to defeat a lie for you or, or to unmask a, a lie for you. Some of you believe that wisdom comes with age. It's not true. I know a lot of ignorant 60-year-olds. You know some too. Okay, great. Um, wisdom does not necessarily come with age. If you choose not to learn from the situations that life brings you, you'll never grow in wisdom. This is why you have... 50-year-old people, and you're like, dude, are you 12? Because they grew up physically, but they didn't uh, suffer well. How do you grow? How do you mature over time? Suffering. But not just suffering, because you can suffer and still not grow. Your ability to embrace suffering the right way is what creates growth in you. I know, this is good preaching. It, I'm not getting a lot of amens, but I hope I get a lot of changed lives. I'm telling you that growth comes as you choose. How do, I, how do I embrace suffering well? Two things. Number one, never do it alone. Who do I do it with? You do it with Jesus and you do it with people. Well, I don't want people to, that's, how's that working out for you? How's not being vulnerable working out for you? How's nobody knowing your business working out for you? And those same people who don't want anybody to know their business are usually the same people who are really upset that no one's supporting them. Amen. <laughs> thank you, brother. Appreciate the amen. Thank you. Thank you. I needed some support. What am I saying here? You can actually suffer and still not grow if you don't suffer with others. Watch this. And the other way that you suffer is like a good soldier. How do you suffer like a good soldier? You expect victory and you fight to the death. Look at me real quick. There are some days in this walk with Christ where I feel like, God, you can have the ministry. You can have the bank account, screw it all. I'll be a Buddhist, walk somewhere naked on a beach in Bali, and I'll call it a day. I know I'm your pastor, and I'm not supposed to tell you that I waver in faith, but there are some days where my faith is weak, and I feel like David, who said day and night, my tears have become my food, but then something shifts in me because I've got to believe that my trouble won't last always, that things are going to shift. So how do I grow into maturity? I fight to the death. I keep fighting. I, what the scripture says, hope against hope. I lost my job. I'm going to still keep hoping. I lost my children. I'm going to still keep hoping. I've lost my, my, my marriage. I'm going to still keep hoping. You, if Deacon Job was here, he'd tell you, you don't know nothing about holding on. That Job lost everything that he had and the friends that he kept didn't even understand what he was going through. And yet he said, God, you give and you take away, but I'm not going anywhere. If Peter was here, Peter would say, I was in a dinner meeting with Jesus and he said some weird stuff that you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Everybody got up and left. We lost a bunch of followers on Instagram. Nobody's reading our blogs and they're saying that we're a cult now. But if you remember the story, Jesus looks at Peter after everyone had left and said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, I don't understand what you just said, but I do know this, that I'm sticking with you because every time you speak, life comes up inside of me. What am I saying? That if I'm going to grow in God, I've got to learn to hold on when hell is knocking at my door. I've got to learn. This has got to be more than just a good sermon. It's got to be more than just an encouraging reel. When the rubber meets the road, do you choose to hold on? God's been speaking to me lately about those Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro. And they're standing in the fire. And the Lord showed me they had two kings that they could submit to. Either they could submit to King Nebuchadnezzar, who they could see, or they could submit to God, who they could not see. And the question, whenever you're in a trial in front of a fiery furnace, it's which king will you submit to? Will you submit to the reality of what you see? Or will you hold on? Maybe you haven't grown in God because you haven't survived trials well. Maybe every time trials come, you keep giving up. 
Yeah, you won't grow into maturity. Every time somebody talks to you dirty, you, I'm just gotta give them a piece of my mind. Sweetie, you don't have that much left. Keep it and mature. Yeah, every, every, every time somebody mistreats you, instead of doing what the scripture says, turn the other cheek, uh, you're gonna make sure you slap them on theirs because they just need to know. Tuh. You're asking God to bless your finances and you won't grow in your tithing. You're asking God uh, to, to, to give you a romantic relationship, but you won't offer him your porn life. Maybe you're stuck at the level of immaturity that you're at because you've not overcome well. When's the last time you overcame a trial successfully? <laughs> All right, let me go to the next point. Got 20 minutes. Maybe they'll like one of these other ones. Not only does age separate childhood from adulthood, but the ability to be dependent. When you, somebody came to me one time, I was preaching somewhere, and they liked the sermon I was preaching, and they came up to me and they said, man, you're such a good preacher. Man, we haven't had a good word in this house. I just don't feel like I'm being fed here. Don't say stupid stuff like that to me. I looked at him and I said, um, in my house, you know who, who gets fed? Children or the disabled? Which one are you? Maybe you're not even coming to church so that you can be fed. Maybe God's brought you here to do some feeding. Maybe there's somebody you're sitting next to that God's actually called you to be in their life and to help grow them. But if you are constantly in a position of always being dependent, now mind you, there's a season where that's necessary. There's a season of, and, and, and those seasons pop back up. It, just because you have seasons where you need to be dependent on community is not necessarily a sign that you're immature in your faith. But if that's all you have, if you have no independence to your walk with Christ, I would question your maturity in Christ. If you can only look at your walk with Christ through the lens of other people, there's a problem there you need to grow. There should come a point where there are some trials that you can face and not have to call your pastor. Come here, come back, because I hear what you're saying. Call your pastor. He wants to hear about your situation. <laughs> situations. Pay attention. But if you consistently, years from now, you can't get a prayer through, you can't get a breakthrough, it's so quiet in this Baptist church. man. It, it ought to get to a place where you're not as, now you know what I always say, the Christian is not called to be dependent or in, independent. What are we called to be? Interdependent. Which is that, what does that mean? It means that I could do this alone, but I choose to do this with family. But I, I, I'm concerned that we have people in the body of Christ who, are, who have been saved now for a little while and still can't grow on their own because they're dependent around everybody else. Number three, not just age, not just dependence, but the ability to make decisions. When you're a child, you're stupid, man. I was, I was at a friend's house and they were babysitting their granddaughter and grandson and the kid kept putting, uh, trying to put his finger in the socket the electric socket, right? It's like the first time I was like, okay, he's a kid. Second time I'm like, he's a not so smart kid. Third time I'm like, well, okay, come. And I wonder if God looks at us like that sometimes. I, come on, don't date him. Come, I told you not to date him. You still dating him. Okay, now you're in pastor's office complaining about how I did this to you. When I told you, it's real quiet here, but this is the only gospel I got to preach. And, 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 and what happens is when you're young, you make stupid decisions for your life. I think when you're a young Christian, when you're first getting saved, you ought to stick real close to leadership. I, I just think you ought to. I think when you're first developing in Christ, why? You need to stick close to spiritual parents who can help form you, who can help shape you. But... If you get to a place where you can't make decisions on your own, you can't discern decisions in your life, and now you're saved 10, 15, 20 years, there's a problem. You turned into a baby Huey. Is this making sense? It's like, because if, if it continues to be in that level of dependence, there should be an independence that's developed as you mature in Christ. Number four, uh-oh, living arrangements. How you live in? Now, I've seen this before. I was, I was pastoring at a church, and... Uh, guy got married and he was excited to have sex, man. 
he had been holding on for a long time and God had finally provided. He said, I do. She said, I do. And I thought, that's when you do. So I call him the next day. I was like, I did what every brother called. Every person, every man who's gotten married has gotten this phone call. <clears throat> hey. That's a full sentence. And every guy in here understood the whole sentence. <laughs> Women, you might be confused, but every guy in here knows what A means the day after your wedding. And he goes, oh, not yet. <laughs> I was like, uh... It's two o'clock in the afternoon, the day after your wedding. What you waiting for, brother? And he's like, oh, we at my mom's house. Why? <laughs> Why? Like, I don't even want to hear mom for the next seven days after marriage. It's like, keep my whole family away from me. I'm going to a different country just to be away from her. He's like, well, we got married and, and my mom wanted us to stay at her house on our wedding night. I said, for this, will a man leave his mother and his father? and cling over and over and over again to his wife. What are you doing? And we're making fun. But how many of us are the same way? You may not be living with your mama, but you're spiritually living in isolation. I knew it. You was laughing at the dude living with his mama, but, but you living in isolation, you, you, you don't think that's a sign of immaturity? I just don't do people. Which book of the Bible is that? Show me the verse. I got a couple for you. Galatians 2.20, I no longer live. I've been crucified with Christ. Tell me more about how your personality. Okay. You're not an extrovert. Okay. Shout unto the Lord unless your emotional disposition doesn't make up for that. The problem is that we read this book with our American mindset. We read it with a diplomatic mindset. And we don't see that this was an Eastern found religion. Not made, there's no voting about this thing. You don't get to live by yourself. Maybe, maybe, maybe you need some time alone to heal because you've been hurt, I get it. We have people who come to this church and they, just, they can't serve right away. They need time to heal. I get it. You've been hurt. But at some point, you need to grow in that area. Change your living arrangements. I, I so long. That's why on Sunday, if you travel with me, I'll preach fire, I'll hoop, I'll holler, I'll do all of that. But on Sunday, there, I have some days where I go off. But most of the days, I'm just teaching and training and culture because most of my focus is on getting us to do Christianity together. Because most of us have not tried it that way. We've mostly tried living this walk on our own. And the last one, rights and responsibilities. See, when you're a baby Christian, you have a lot of rights and very few responsibilities. But as you mature in God, you, have, you know how, I, how much I wish I had more rights. When I was a baby Christian, I had the right to not be, offend, to be offended. <laughs> As I matured in Christ, I realized I no longer had that right. That I had to lay down every offense and everything that so easily besets me. Because as you mature in God, there are rights that you have as a child or a babe in Christ that you no longer have as a mature person in Christ. So I, I, I wanna talk about some areas real quick where you need to grow. Because I don't want to see you 10, 20, 30 years from now spiritually walking around like this. So I, I went to the foodie land last night. It was not that great. But I spent a lot of money. And I bought this thing. This was like 25 bucks, 27. I was so mad because I'm Pentecostal and black. I don't like spending money. Yeah, and black. Frugal. And I got this thinking, oh, it's going to be cool, like a little sippy thing. Nope. But I said, I'm going to get my money's worth. I'm going to use this in my sermon. And I thought, um, there's some areas where God's calling us to grow, where we refuse to grow, and we continue to be immature. Because when I say growing in God, what you hear is praying more, reading your Bible more, and, 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 and fasting more. And that's a part of it. But if your spirituality doesn't show up in the other areas of your life, I question your spirituality. 
as you grow in God, you ought to grow in how you spend your money. I know it's going to get real tight in here, but it's right. You ought, to, you ought to be a tither by now. I get it. When you're a babe in Christ, you're wrestling with it. You're trusting God. You're figuring it out some months. You tithe some, you don't. But you ought to be a tither by now. Not just that. You ought to be generous with your funds by now. How are you a 20-year-old saint in Christ and you're still stingy? Missionary comes, receives an offering, and you find the smallest bill that you can find. But let vacation time come. Make it rain. Oh, yeah, because I don't want nobody on my trip who, who worried about money because we ain't worrying about money on this trip. It's like we only worry about money when it comes to kingdom. Yeah, we ain't budgeting on it, so don't come on this trip. Look at all the ratchet people. You know what I'm talking about. Well, don't come on this trip if you don't want to, if you got a budget and you whatever, because we going to Vegas, and it's hot girl summer, and I got my hoochie daddy short, and we doing it, and whatever. And, and pastor's like, yo, our church is struggling a little bit. See, all the church wants is your money. See, that's all. You didn't say that about the strip. Oh, oh yeah, I, I came in annoyed. How about your time? I, w- I want to know how you spend your time. Because a lot of you say you don't have time for God, but when we get up to the court of heaven and, and Twitter takes the witness stand and Instagram takes the witness stand, they're going to testify, oh, baby, you had time. The problem is you weren't willing to prioritize time. Now, listen, I'm not just talking about the time you spend with God. I'm talking about the time you spend serving both in church and out of church, the time that you spend with your family and with your kids to all of you workaholics. That matters to God. That's a form of worship. How you spend your time or does anybody get your time? It is horrible spiritual hygiene to let everybody have all of your time all the time. Do you struggle with boundaries? So now you're too tired to do anything for God because your time has been raped everywhere else and you have nothing less left because you're immature in how you spend your time. It's quiet. I got a couple more. Maybe you'll find one of these relevant. I brought my oil because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. But that word anointing doesn't mean oil. It's a similar word. It means fatness. And what that scripture is really saying is not that somebody laying hands on you with some oil is what breaks the yoke. What it's saying is that as you grow, the yoke is broken. The oil doesn't break the yoke. Maturation breaks the yoke. But maturation is the anointing. So can I ask you, are you maturing in your oil? Maybe that's not yours. All right. All right. Well, I would talk to my friends about God. I, I just don't know what to tell them. You know, I know I've been saved for a long time, but, you know, I just still don't know what to tell them because um, I, I want to check your hearing. Um, here's why I want to check your hearing. Uh, since when I was in elementary school, we had this kid named Lamont, and Lamont stuttered really bad. It was a horrible speech impediment. They decided to put Lamont with a speech coach or whatever you call him, a doctor to work on his speech and a therapist. And so they go and meet with the therapist. Lamont comes back and I did what every fifth grader, hey, what happened? And Lamont was like, oh, they just, they checked my hearing. And I remember as a fifth grader, I told him, that's stupid. Your hearing ain't messed up. It's your speech. You can't talk right. It wasn't until I became an adult and got smarter friends than me, Kevin, that I learned the reason they were checking his hearing because those smart people realize, ear and nose and mouth doctor, whatever they call them, that your speech is affected by what you hear. Ah. So you have everything to say about Game of Thrones and nothing to say about the Lord because it's all about what you're hearing. And I'm not shaming you for watching Game of Thrones. I'm just saying you get what you get. You reap where you sow. What are you listening to? I talked earlier about uh, listening to YouTube sermons. Some of us don't even do that. Get some word in you. Come on. I, I promise you, here's how you grow in being able to interpret the scripture. Listen to somebody else's interpretation of the scripture for a while. And what'll begin to happen is you'll start coming up with your own interpretation. It's almost like cooking. Like I get around somebody, start learning flavors. Of, oh, this is how it works together. When it comes to the word of the Lord, the way that it works is you get around folks. I, I saw a slack this morning for our family from Matt or somebody who was asking about Bible study. And that just, oh man, there's nothing sexier to a pastor 
Oh, oh you want a Bible? I'll give you a Bible study. I'll, I'll Bible study you. Is that what you, what do you want? New King James or NIV? I'll buy, I'll, we'll do parallel translation Bible study, right? It's like, because it's so, it's so rare for pastors to hear people hungry f- to hear from God. Give me a prophecy. No, no, no. I'm going to give you a Bible. Okay, I'm almost done. Don't worry. We'll get out of here before seven. Oh, this is a good one right here. Can we talk about your um, relationships real quick? And here's what I want to, and you might get nervous, because some of you are loyal to relationships that you gained in your immature phase, and you're trying to keep a hold of them in your mature phase, and you're finding conflict. And what is ending up happening is that a lot of us are giving up our mature season for immature people. Because we, we were boys. We grew up in church together. Yeah, but we didn't grow up in God together. <laughs> and, and I want to give you, look at me, look at me. I want to give you permission to grow all by yourself. I know that sounds like the opposite of what I just told you in terms of living with others. But every Christian, every mature believer has had seasons of having to grow up by themselves. Why, why do I say this? And what does this have to do with relationships? Because you grow to another level where you start naturally attracting spiritually healthy relationships because you become spiritually healthy. When I decided in 2016 to get emotionally healthy, you know why it was? I got tired of having a turnover rate of friends getting tired of people and getting rid of, rid of them every two years, all that stuff, right? And so I decided, you know, I'm just work on me. I'm gonna get a therapist. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna get two. Get a couple therapists, work on me. Christina, my relationships became healthier. And those that didn't become healthier are no longer in relationship with me. Never had to have a DTR, never had to have a conversation, never had to have anything. I just had to grow. And God started, some of you are looking for relationships that are meaningful, that are, are worth having. Are you willing to grow to maintain those relationships? Now, I'm going to hurt your feelings real quick, and I'm going to do it quickly, and then I'm going to move on. You're not ready for a relationship right now. I know you feel ready. You're not ready. You're horny. I said, you're not ready, you're horny. Or you're lonely, but you're not ready. Here's why I tell you you're not ready. What I'm afraid of is you dating somebody in your broken season, getting healed, and having to be loyal to somebody you met in a broken place. Hmm. Have you put in intentional time to growing and maturing your relationships. I told somebody this, this, don't worry, little man, I know you're tired of me talking. I am too, I'll be done in just a second. But I was telling somebody this this week. Have you ever sat down with people who are meaningful to you and said, I wanna be in covenant with you? See, this is big boy talk. This, this, ain't, this ain't that, oh, we'll just be friends if we have friends, no, no, no. Let's have a conversation. I like the God in you and it does something to the God in me and I want this relationship to be lasting. Here's why that's important. Because there are going to be some days where I want to punch the teeth to the back of your tonsils. But I am going to be committed to this relationship because I'm mature. See, you keep getting into friendships looking for exits. And I know it's easier to blame it on them. But what if them needs to grow you? I'm almost done. I promise you I'm almost done. It's not real deep today. Um, I ripped out, and you can't look at this, and don't get a close-up, close-up, Levente. Don't do it. This is a piece of my journal. Because um, if you're growing spiritually, but you're not growing emotionally, you're not growing holistically. One more time. If you're growing spiritually but you're not growing emotionally, you're not growing holistically. If you can come out of prayer and still have a nasty attitude, go back. If you can prophesy over folks that you would never have coffee with, there's something broken 
and the arena of your emotions. Now, and I'm trying to say this kindly and worship team, y'all get ready because I'm gonna call y'all up in a second. I spent years thinking that therapy was demonic. I spent years thinking that emotional wholeness was for the weak. And I realized that those were facades for keeping me away from being challenged to mature. And there were brokenness, there was brokenness in my emotions that was messing up my ministry in the spirit. Please hear me. Parents, it's not all spiritual. Sometimes you did some emotional damage to your children. And as you get whole, it's so quiet. I'm right, I know I'm walking a tightrope. And as you learn how to offer forgiveness and to apologize and be humble, even in your relationships with your children, your relationships with your spouse, these different relationships, what you're gonna see is that God opens up way more doors for you to bring spiritual encounters. You're sitting around here trying to lay hands on everybody, speak in tongues and prophesy over everybody. Why don't you just become a nice person? Why don't you work on kindness and your emotions and the brokenness? Not just that, but even when it comes to depression. Some of our worship to the Lord is hindered because we won't work on our depression. We won't work on, and I get it. Pray over it. Lay it at the altar. But then make an appointment. See a therapist so that you can grow in your emotions. Last one. Somebody get ill uh, real quick. I got a condom. <laughs> it's purple. That's discernment right there. Um, it's Trojan too, which I think is a good brand. I think. I don't know because it's been a while. <laughs> I know what's out there. I won't go too hard on this because I'll be preaching on this sometime soon. But please hear me and hear me collide. If you're listening and you're not part of collide, this is still good for you, but I'm talking to family for a minute. The Bible does not say to walk away from youthful lust. It says to run from it. And I am concerned that this generation of Christians takes their fight with purity way too lax. And we stay immature because we actually believe the lie that we cannot overcome sexual immaturity. And I wanna ask you as my final question, are you growing in your purity? Now, now I am talking about your sexuality and you growing out of pornography addiction and growing out of having sex with your unwed partner. But I'm not even just talking about what's in your pants. I'm talking about what's in your heart. Because they might have a condom for what's in your pants, but they don't have one for what's in your chest. And I want to know how many of us are fighting for pure motives to do things to not be seen. How many of us are, are fighting to be pure in our spirit? Stand with me. Now I know it wasn't a deep message, but here's what encapsulates the whole thing right here. Collide, we have work to do, y'all. Please look at me, we have work to do. We have way too many seats to fill. We've got way too many souls to save. We've got too many encounters to offer people, too many worship nights to have, too many prayer meetings to host. We've got way too much work to do. I didn't get to read all the scriptures because I talked too much. There's another scripture in there where it talks about strife, but it's due to our immaturity. And the body of Christ has been so full of strife for the last season because we've not chosen to grow. Here's your why. Why do you grow? Because 
Some of you might be saying, why do I need to grow? Why do I need to be apostolic, prophetic, pastoral, evangelistic? Why do I need to mature in my faith? Why can't I just keep drinking milk? I mean, it's working out for me. Either way, it's, it's going good. Two reasons. Number one, Paul says that the maturing is so that we can become more like Christ. We're being perfected to look like him. Every believer's desire is not just to follow God, it's to be like him. But here's the second reason why. And while I was prepping my message, I started crying a little bit. Because what Paul says is, I need you to mature because there are some people coming after you that I've called you to reach, to bring into the fold that won't come in if you remain immature in your scriptures, if you remain immature in your prayer life, if you remain immature in your love, if you remain immature in your emotions and your time and your finance. I need you to mature and grow up in all these areas. And some of you, while I was preaching today, God began to pinpoint certain things, things you need to turn up the dial on and really grow in. It's not just about you. It's so that God can win others through you. I'm going to pray with you. Would you just put your hand over your heart? Thank you, Lord. I can't even pray right now. Would you take a moment and pray for yourself? Pray for yourself. Whatever this word means to you, pray for yourself. God, we love you with everything that's in us. And God, I pray that you would mature us in every way. God, mature our walk, mature our talk, mature our love, mature our devotion, mature every area so that we can walk rightly before you. But God, we don't want to walk in the carnal nature of man. We want to walk in the spirit, God. We need to walk in the spirit. And so I'm praying that God, for those who are struggling to mature, struggling to grow, there's some demonic warfare, there's some things blocking them. God, I pray, would you make it easier to grow in this season, God? I pray, place a hunger in us. Come on, pray for yourself for a moment. Place a hunger in us, God. A hunger to grow.